You're listening to Dingin' Out, a podcast about wasting time in awesome ways. My name is David. You can also find me creeping around the internet as Sandbox Quint. On today's episode, we're going to talk a lot of Project 1999 EverQuest, because frankly, that's all I've been doing. Today's recording date is Monday, May 11th, 2015, and this is episode number two. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Hope you all had a nice couple of weeks. I know I did. Got to play a lot of some Project 1999, and I can't wait to share that with you. With that, let's jump right in to my headline pick of the week. As it's going to be an EverQuest-heavy episode, what better than to jump right in with Daybreak Game Company, formerly Sony Online Entertainment, has formally recognized Project 1999 as a fan-based, not-for-profit, classic EverQuest emulation project. Well, I'll be damned if I wasn't talking about this on the last episode. You know when this news came out? Exactly one day later of my last episode. I'm not going to claim any credit for this, but you're welcome. So what does this mean? Basically, this means that Sony has legitimized the presence of Project 1999. That they are not going to try and shut them down, send them a cease and desist, do anything like that. They just basically are looking at Project 1999 as a fan project. And they actually talked about them with a little bit of reverence. Um, I have a quote here that this is actually from EverQuest's uh, news roll that they, that they posted on their website on 429-2015, which was the day after I, <laughs> the day after I talked about, uh, you know, the fact that I, I, I felt Sony needed to kind of pay attention to Project 1999. So here's what they said. The guys at Pro- the guys running Project 1999 are passionate fans of EverQuest and our work, and we're fans of what they've been able to accomplish with support from the player community. A little bit farther down the article, it says, We're proud that the EverQuest community is one of the most passionate and engaged groups of players in the gaming world. We're glad that we're able to reach an agreement with the team behind the fan-based, not-for-profit emulation project as they continue to share their love of EQ with many. This is a great thing. You know, one of my biggest concerns with playing on on a server like this, a fan a fan server, private server, is that, you know, one day I'm going to log in and, uh, you know, it's going to be shut down. Your characters are gone, you know, all the work that you put into it is gone. One of the biggest things with EverQuest is the amount of time that it takes to actually accomplish anything. It's no easy feat to get to get you know anywhere in that game. It takes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort. So now that I know that it's all gonna you know it's not going to be for nothing, I'm all in. I'm so excited about Project 1999 and what the future holds. But I have a couple questions. Uh, my number one question is, uh, you know, they in in 
Project 1999's post on their forums, they mentioned um, that they have an agreement to adhere to some guidelines. Uh, I know, I know one of the guidelines is to never charge players a sub fee or anything like that, but I'm, I'm curious, are there any other guidelines? What, you know, what's hidden in there? Um, what does this mean for the future of Project 1999? What do we have to look forward to? Uh, maybe possibly a legitimate client installer? Cause that's one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people is, you know, trying to get into the project 1999 is, uh, how do I get this thing installed on my computer? Cause it's, it's a little bit backwater complicated. If you're not really familiar with, you know, modding or things like that. So I don't know. I mean, hope, hopefully, hopefully they, they are allowed to, uh, to do something like that and put out an installer for people because I just, I feel like it's a great community and, and the more players, the better. So the next question is why did Daybreak Studios do this? The biggest reason has to be the fact that they have this, uh, progression server coming out. I think Project 1999 posed a real threat to that. And I talked about it, I think, on the last episode. Um, you know, they don't want to compete. You know, the fact that, that Project 1999 was about to be launching the Valius expansion at the end of May, I think, it, yeah, the end of May, uh, that's like, that could have messed up their whole progression server because, you know, they, they know. I mean, there's the numbers that I've been seeing on these servers, you know, there's consistently about 1,500 people on peak hours. Last night was almost up to 1,700. This is insane for a private server. So, you know they they know that if if they launch this progression server at the same time that Valius on 1999 gets launched people are going to play Valius in 1999 so what they did part of the agreement was they they took uh project 1999 basically had to push back Valius for a couple months so instead of coming out at the end of May it's going to come out i think August 2nd it's when that's getting released. And that's, that's the biggest gripe a lot of 99 players are having right now is just the fact that, uh, you know, they were really looking forward to Valius coming out. A lot of people had planned some time off of work to be able to get in there first and, you know, try to grind out as many, uh, not really levels because the level cap doesn't go up, but, you know, basically go for the progression of, of the factions and, and all that stuff and, you know, get into the raid scene as soon as possible. So that's a bummer. But, you know, I think when you're weighing the cost, I think it's worth it. I think the fact that we can all rest easy, not have to worry about the man coming down on us. I I think it's a fair trade to wait a couple more months. I, I know, you know, I'm fairly new to the Project 1999 server, so I I can't really, I guess, empathize with those people who have been playing since the beginning and waiting and waiting and waiting. But it's only a couple more months, and I know I know it's it's totally worth it. So, lastly, what does what does this whole deal mean for the future of other emulation projects? Because this is kind of a groundbreaking thing. I mean, no, I don't think any other big game company has come out and said, you know what, you guys want to run your own private version of our game, you do it right, and we're going to give you our blessing. I don't think anyone's done that. 
Um, I know that in an, in an interview with Ten Ton Hammer for John Smedley, he came out and said, you know, we never could have done that at Sony before they became Daybreak Studios. So some people are asking, well, what about games like Star Wars Galaxies and Vanguard? Um, even EverQuest Online Adventures, there's a, there's a Facebook group for those guys. Uh, they're working hard trying to get that game back, which was, if you don't know, EverQuest Online Adventures was the PlayStation 2, um, version of EverQuest. Not really version of it, it was own game, but it was PlayStation 2's EverQuest. It was kind of fun. It was cool. Well, first and foremost, Star Wars Galaxies, good luck. I mean, that they, they, they don't own that IP. That's not a Daybreak IP that belongs to Lucas, which now belongs to Disney. So, you know, there I, I believe there is a, a Star Wars Galaxy emulator out there, but I don't know. Good luck. They're they're not. They have nothing to do with that. Vanguard, though. Oh man, I would love to have a Vanguard emulator up and running that is as well maintained as Project 1999 because that is one thing that I believe was a huge factor in this whole thing as well in that the pro- the guys at Project 1999 they run this server like a professional game server i mean it, you know there are there are gms there's a petition system if there's bugs they're very involved they're also very strict with the rules you can't two box you can't be running two clients on the same computer at the same time by yourself you get banned for that they're very very strict on rmt which is uh, real money transactions you cannot purchase anything in the game for real money which is a huge plus i mean it keeps the economy in check it keeps keeps everything fair and square so daybreak smedley basically came out and said you know in general if people want to do it right we will support them so the guys over at the Vanguard Emulation Project, let's go. Let's get on this. I would love to see a Vanguard emulator. One game that's it's gone. I didn't play it a ton, but every time I did get into it, man, I love that game. It's just a huge, huge world. A lot of fun to be had there. So that's pretty much it for the news headline this week. Uh, like I said, heavy EverQuest episode. And with that, Let's get into the gameplay for this week. So as you know, like like I said before, I've just been playing Project 1999. It's it's <laughs> it's completely taken over my gaming time, my TV time, whatever. So I wanted to go into sort of what I've been doing in the game, um, you know, how I've been playing it, some of the decisions I've chosen to make and so forth. So when you log into Project 1999, there's two servers. There's a red server and the blue server. The red server is a PvP server. It has increased experience bonuses for grouping, so they really encourage you to try and group and level up. Um, and, but, you know, the, the side effect of that is that it's, a, it's an open PvP server, so you can fight other people and all that stuff. For me, while I do enjoy PvP games sometimes, EverQuest is not the pvp game that i want it's not something i'm interested in i've never played everquest for pvp and you know it's it's everquest to me is more about just being in the world and you know killing monsters and sitting in camps and talking to your group mates and that kind of stuff so you know and and not only that but it's also about the journey 
I'm not interested in leveling up, getting to cap and, you know, max level in like two months. It's not, it's not my thing. Um, it's about the journey. It's about sitting there for two or three hours at a time. Just, you know, kind of just shooting the shit with your friends, you know, I'm not interested in that. So I, I rolled on the blue server, which is the more populated server. Uh, the red server tends to have about two or 300 people on at a time. Blue server, like I said, 1500 to almost 1700 this weekend. And this server is traditional EverQuest. It's a slow going grind, but I love it. So what did I start with? I initially decided to roll a bard. I had always played Shadow Knights or something like that in other games. You know, even the original EverQuest, I played a Shadow Knight forever. So I decided this time around I wanted to do something different. So I went with the bard. The bard is a very, very cool class. Super versatile. I mean, they have a little bit of everything. You want to you want to run fast. You want to AOE blow stuff up. You want to wear plate armor and look cool and use weapons and dual wield and, you know, have the ability to be invisible or, you know, whatever. Mez things and just, they, they are like the jack of all trades. So I rolled a bard. I was playing that for a while. I got him up to about level 12. That took took probably about a week of playing for me. I ended up acquiring some very, very good gear from just generous people around that I met and just kind of looked me up, said, here you go, man, go for it. And what I decided was I really started to miss my Shadow Knight. I always loved playing the Shadow Knight. I mean, aside from being completely badass and totally heavy metal, they are a very tough class. They're extremely versatile, not as versatile as the Bard, but you know, they can stand toe to toe with mobs and just, you know, fight it out. Whereas the bard, you're basically, if you're soloing or something, you're, you're running in huge loops, big circles around the zones, just pulling like 15, 20 mobs behind you and AOing them down. And for me, uh, that's, I mean, it seems cool. It's fun to watch people do that. It's pretty amazing, but that's not my thing. I like to get in there. So I decided to, to roll a Shadow Knight again. So what exactly is a Shadow Knight? In EverQuest, a Shadow Knight is a hybrid class that basically combines a warrior with a necromancer. So you're a, you're a bad ass, fully armored, sword and shield tank that also has the ability to cast necromancy magic. Um, and this is not like a version of necromancer magic or anything like that. It's like, no, you, actually go to the necromancer guilds and you buy the same spells that necromancers use. Although at your level, you're not able to use as powerful as spells as a necromancer of the same level. You have to buy lower level necromancer spells. So it keeps things balanced. You're not, you know, on the warrior side of things, you're not as tough as a warrior alone. And on the necromancer side, you're not as powerful as a necromancer alone, but you combine those two things together and you're something else completely. And on your own, you know, standalone, just with the, that combined, you're just as powerful as either of those two classes. And it's amazing. It's, it's one of the best classes. And EverQuest does this with other things too, like the Ranger, which would be a combination of sort of like a warrior and, um, and a druid. You cast nature spells or the paladin, which is a combination of the warrior and a cleric. No other game does this. And my next question was, okay, well, 
if I'm going to be a Shadow Knight, what race am I going to be? Because back on live, when I made a Shadow Knight, I played a Dark Elf. An extremely gimped Dark Elf. It was my second character in the game. I had no idea about stats, what they meant, anything like that. So when I when I rolled him, I was like, well, you know, I think Shadow Knights use magic, so I probably want high intelligence to cast magic. Well, as a dark elf, I already have high intelligence. But, you know, I didn't know that at the time, so I just put all my points in, into intelligence. Forty levels later, like a year and a half later, I'm trying to get into the raid scene, and then, you know, come to find out, I messed up. But I wasn't going to re-roll, you know, so... Yeah, I should have put all the points into stamina because Dark Elves need more health. So this time around, I said, okay, no Dark Elves. I'm not going to do that. So what, do I, what are my options? When it comes down to it, as far as I'm concerned, there are, there are three options for Shadow Knight. Ogre, Troll, or Ixar. We'll start with the Ogre. The Ogre is probably the best race for Shadow Knight. They're very, very strong, have the most amount of health. You can put your extra points into intelligence and get that up to a decent amount. And on top of that, the trump card of it all is the fact that they cannot be stunned from the front. This is hugely, hugely important if you're going to be a main tank in a raid, that you're not getting just completely stunned out all the time. It allows you to cast and keep aggro up on mobs and things like that. The downside of the ogre is they are ugly as hell. They're huge. They just waddle around. They scratch their butt. You know, they just, they're just, I don't know. I could not stand to look at an ogre. So that's off the list. Next up is the troll. What the troll has is the, is much like the ogre. They're a big race. Oh, not to mention the fact that both troll and ogre get an ability called, uh, slam, which is which is a, another stun ability. It works like bash, but you don't have to have a shield with it. You could use a two-handed weapon. So that's another bonus because they're a large race. So the trolls get natural health regen, which is very, very, very important for leveling up. They're big. They got big health pulls, all that stuff. And then they get slam. So yeah, that's that's the troll. The other downside is they are ugly as hell too. They're big old waddlers and I don't know, not my style. Not my style at all. So the last choice was the Ixar race. The Ixars are lizard people living Kunark, and they are badass. They don't have as much health or or uh, strength as the, the bigger races like the Ogre or the Troll, but they do have other things. They have the regen, just like Trolls, but they also have a natural bonus to their AC, which is your armor class. Um, the downside to the Ixar is that everyone in the world hates you. You can't go into any other city unless you just want to spend an immense amount of time factioning up. And the experience points penalty that they suffer from is just ridiculous. On top of the Shadow Knights, 40% experience points penalty that they have the xrs also get like another 18 or 28 percent or something like that i think the total penalty for, yeah i think 28 the total penalty that uh that the xrs have as a shadow knight is like 68 percent xp penalty which means it is a long 
long road. But that's okay, because like I said before, it's all about the journey. Um, so when it came down to it, you know, the, the choice for me was obvious. You know, I went XR. I mean, they look badass. They they play badass. The, the, the starting area for the XR is amazing. You know, right outside of, of the city Cabalus is the Field of Bone, which just leads perfectly into Kern's Tower, which then leads into, you know, other surrounding zones. And everything's very connected in Kunark. It's, uh, it's not hard to get anywhere you want to go in, in that area. So that, you know, that's, that's the choice I made. I decided to take the hard road, um, you know, not too worried about, about my faction in other cities and things like that. I'm really loving the Kunark content and just leveling up. So you start off, just head out in the field of bone, just killing a bunch of skeletons and stuff. Um, eventually made my way into Kern's Tower, which is, which is the sort of the dungeon of the newbie area at about level 10. That, that place is good from like level 10 to level 20. And just been fighting my way up. Uh, my guy's currently level 18. Been having a blast. Just being all Shadow Knighty and evil and stuff. Uh, not only that, I decided to actually kind of like start doing some, some quests early. So the Ixars, uh, Ixar Shadow Knights, you, you get a, a, a starting quest that is like a sword. And what this sword is, is like, Every certain amount of levels, you can do a quest and get it upgraded to the next version of that. And that eventually leads into what many consider to be the epic weapon of the Ixar Shadow Knight, which is called the Green Mist, which is one of the best one-handed swords in the game. And only Ixar Shadow Knights can get it. So I started working on this quest. And when I mean working on it, I spent hours and hours and hours working on this quest. The first part of it requires you to go to, I believe, Lake of Ill Omen, and you have to farm these Sarnak heads. You could kill these uh, Sarnak hatchlings, and eventually they'll drop a head, and you have to collect four of them. And what you do is you go back to the Guildmaster in the Shadow Knight Guild, and you turn the bag of heads in with your current newbie weapon, and then, boom, you get the next weapon. So then the next part of this quest is you have to go to the Swamp of No Hope, and you have to kill these frog locks and collect pages from them to fill out a binder that also drops off of them. So you get the binder and these pages are unique in that you can only have, they're like numbered one to 10 and eight of them, eight of these pages are what drop off the, the frog locks, but you can't have multiples of the same page. They have to be the correct page. So not only are these pages extremely rare, I mean, the frog locks are rare. The pages, you know, getting the proper ones to put in there is even more rare. I spent, oh man, maybe like 15 hours total trying to get this thing done. And I managed to do it. I was actually live streaming when I did it and I was very excited. Got all my pages, ran back to town, turned it in, boom, got my next weapon. It's like, yes. So the next part of the quest is you have to go back into Karn's Tower. And it requires you to kill some high-level skeletons to get an item called a Glowing Skull. Now this Glowing Skull, I've only seen it drop twice. Although I know, you know, it's I don't think it's super uncommon, but it, at least in my experience, I spent a lot of time in Karn's Tower. I've only seen it drop twice. So I had a friend helping me. We spent about two hours in there. I managed to get my Glowing Skull. So here I'm all excited again, getting ready to go turn in, get the next iteration of this weapon. Because I think it's like eight, a chain of eight quests that lead to the green mist once Valius comes out. 
So I go to turn in the glowing skull and my weapon to the Shadow Knight Guildmaster, turn it in, and nothing happened. And that's the point in which you feel your stomach just drop and you go, oh my god, what did I do? What the hell did I just do? So I'm scrambling online, pulling up the quest on the, on the wiki site, and sure enough, I was supposed to go to another guy in the Shadow Knight Guild for this one. I turned it into the wrong guy. So what happens? He eats your items. Your sword's gone. Glowing skull's gone. As far as I know, you can't get it back. I don't know. I filed a petition with the GMs. It's been a couple days. I haven't heard anything. Whether they give it back to me or not, you know, I don't, I don't really care too much at this point. I was pretty, pretty upset when it first happened, but you know, I kind of stepped back and realized that this was, you know, it was my fault. I should have paid more attention to the dialogue and the quest. Because classic EverQuest, man, you turn the wrong thing in, it's gone. So yeah, if, if they give it back, I'll be very, very grateful. If not, whatever, I'll start over. But I'm not going to work on it again until I'm like level 50 and I can just go back and lay waste to those frog locks. Because <laughs> the problem with that, the problem wasn't the glowing skull or the first part. The second part of that quest where you have to get the pages off the frog locks, that is the worst thing ever because they're like level 15 mobs in the middle of like level 25 mobs. So you try to go do that at level and it was just constantly dodging high level mobs, running for your life, dying over and over again. It was very, very brutal. It's one of the things that, that EverQuest is, is not afraid to troll its players. They don't care. They'll, they'll throw a level, a level 10 quest in a bunch of level 30 mobs because it's all about trying to figure out how to do it. There's ways to do it. Whether it's, you know, being social and getting help or being sneaky and just, you know, finding ways around things and, you know, staying out of aggro range of the other mobs, spending a lot of time to, to be able to do it, you know. So, like I said, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. The other thing I've been working on is my Dreadscale Armor quest. Dreadscale Armor is the Shadow Knight Ixar armor that is specifically for that race and class. It's a quest. You got to go all over Kunark and collect items and stuff. It's actually like supposed to be done in the level 30s, but I've been fortunate enough to um, acquire a bunch of the pieces just by running around and asking people if if they've managed to get them to drop. You know, they're they're non-tradable items, so the people mostly just let them rot. So I've been lucky enough to pick up a few. I've got a few pieces of the armor so far. I think I got like maybe three or four pieces left to get, but that armor should be good for a very very long time. Once I do acquire it, I'm like I said, I'm only level 18. So once I get up to about 40 uh, ish is maybe when I'll start to replace some of the pieces. But other than that, it's uh, it's slow going, just having a lot of fun. It's good to be back in EverQuest and just get to experience this world again. For a game that's about uh, going on 17 years old, it still is just able to capture your imagination and just suck you right into the world. And it really is just kind of a world. It's not like, um, you know, like World of Warcraft, you're kind of playing along, going from quest hub to quest hub, and, and you're playing along to a story that's there. In EverQuest, it's more like you are just existing in this world. It's much closer to a sandbox game than a theme park game, in my opinion. Uh, it's, it's, it's very nice. Well, that's it for this episode. I appreciate you stopping by. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm on iTunes now, so please head over to iTunes, find me on there, and subscribe. And if you like the show, uh, go ahead and leave me a positive review. I really appreciate it. 
other than that, you can always find uh, find the show at dinginout.com, D-I-N-G-N-O-U-T.com. I'm on Twitter as SandboxQuint. And please, 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 if you got any questions or want to talk to me, send me some emails, sandboxquint at gmail.com. I'd love to read them on the show. Create an, an open forum and a dialogue with you guys. Have some fun. Anyways, thanks again. That's it for this episode. I'll catch you guys in a couple weeks.